All right, Tom. So yes. what do you think? Of, what do you think of Elon Musk? No, no, no. You wanted to talk about Elon Musk, so you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I have to say something about Elon Musk now. Well, before I talk about Elon Musk, I want to talk about the nature of this podcast because I was thinking about it. Because yeah. we recently did something about Sapolsky, yeah. and we were a little bit nasty about Sapolsky. Like we said a lot of, you know, sort of true things. Maybe true things. You know, I we were maybe a bit, you know, kind of assholes a bit about Sapolsky because uh, maybe you disagree, but he's a great guy and he does great things. But and then we got some negative comments. The video went like slightly viral. We got some negative comments. Um, and the negative comments were, were like, we're straw manning Sapolsky and yes, we're straw manning Sapolsky because what we're doing here is, is as much as, as much comedy and as, as it is a serious analysis, because I, I think that people are, are really intensely serious at the moment and some really good, stupid, you know, play is is warranted so that's kind of like how i kind of approach this podcast so i don't know what you but so i don't feel that what i say about sapolsky is, is something that somebody should take ent- entirely seriously um you know even if there are some serious points in there yeah i mean i i mean uh i, I love i love that because i i, I feel there is a place for uh, honesty and you know and seriousness and you know deep philosophical debate and there's certainly a place for this but there also has to be a place for play you know because you have to try out new things you have to try out new ideas you know and and you uh, just have the freedom to walk the line between you know exploration and comedy and nastiness and all of this just you know to to find some new, you know, some new takes, some new perspectives, even if they're yeah. shitty. And I think, you know, this this podcast, this Parallax View was never, you know, about deep philosophical exploration. It was first and foremost to have fun and and to, to play with ideas and to find patterns and to, you mm. know, and 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 so I'm, I'm completely with you there. Mm. Yeah, and sometimes we fall into deep exploration, which is kind of interesting. Like it, it's 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 less of a you know, uh, it's more like how the Beatles make music, right? They just they just bang on a few things, they fool around, they you know they turn things upside down, and then maybe they come up with some interesting kind of arrangement, which uh, they find you know interesting or pleasurable, and then they and then they add you know they kind of build build a melody around that, so. Or, or or jazz or, or something like that. Jazz, it's not about being in tune all the time. You know, it's not about being right or being having some sort of ultimate perspective or or you know, it's it's more like a, a playful exp- exploration uh, where you you turn things on 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 their head. So, uh, well, so anyway, I, I mean, I, so, so I don't mind the, the bad comments, you know, that we were strawmanning Sapolsky and I don't even disagree. <laughs> well, I don't even disagree with criticisms against some of the things I say because I don't stand behind them 100% as, as some ultimate truth. I, 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 I'm trying to make music with words. Well, I think, you know, in regard of our podcast with Sapolsky, there was, you know, you, you could take it as strawmanning. But I don't think that was necessarily the case because, okay, it was not a philosophical exploration, but, you know, the argument, you know, one of the arguments that I made, I think are still true. It's like you can't have one concept and one perspective or one frame of world without its opposite or the other. So you have you have emptiness, you have form, you have determinism. That means necessarily by way of concepts, you have non-determinism. If you have non-determinism you have free will basically so you can't you can't this is a philosophical argument you can't have one without the other right right and so and so that is not necessarily straw manning this is this is an idea that is basically the counter offer to uh people like sapolsky that propose that there is no free will there is a free will because it's it's a way of constructing 
you know, arguments in the first place. You there's know, a how free will because that? of determinism. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. because there's em because of emptiness, there's there's form. Because of yes, there's a no. Because of white, there's black. You know, that's you can't you can't break this kind of thing because determinism only makes sense in context of non-determinism, right? This yeah, yeah gotcha. Very simple. And this, sure. this, and this is like um, and and so this is why philosophy kind of supersedes. Uh, you know, a materialistic, scientific view of the world, because science, as valuable as it is, runs on a certain code. And you have to code switch at some time to see, you know, what it is all about. So I don't necessarily think that we're strawmanning him. And I also think that he's kind of reincarnation of Abraham, because the myth is that Abraham is going on the on the on the mountain on the behest of God in order to kill his son, and he was supposed to do it. And this is a de deterministic view. And God was like, "What the fuck are you doing? You are free, you know." And Abraham was like, "Really? No, oh, I, I think get... that's great. Yeah, yeah, I think no, that's a and great." So it's, it's not necessary. No, it's not. No, it's not strawmanning. It's just an observation. Sure. Right. Okay, that's perfectly valid. Maybe maybe it was me who was strawmanning. Um in the sense you were you had a good philosophical argument. I was strawmanning. Perhaps I am the one who was strawmanning because I, I didn't adequately feel like I knew his work enough to make to make a, a proper critique. So I was just kind of going along with it. Um you know, I was just playing around with this idea that you know, there's the free will and the non-free will. So, so I get your argument and I agree. Uh, one of the things I, I thought that was perhaps off was, you know, like people always say, oh yeah, he's over, he's finished. He's, he's you know, he was big, you know, in the past and now he's, he's nobody. And, yeah. you know, they, they do the same about Jordan Peterson and everybody. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, this is a kind of a cheap, that's a bit of a cheap critique, right? In, right. in the sense that, in the sense that, you know, these people are still the same people they've they've always been they're, they're, and 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 whether they're relevant now and whether they aren't i i feel that people who are relevant remain relevant even if other people don't notice what they're doing like for example like uh david bowie uh, even though his his music wasn't popular a lot of his music was probably very interesting and we just didn't it wasn't hitting the the mainstream but it was probably very interesting so Anyway, I, I'm critiquing uh, like the pop culture type of critique, which which is always about what is what is on or what is off. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, sure, but again, it's like there's a there's a academic way to do critique, you know, and there are podcasts for this. And but you know, the parallax view was never intended to be an academic review of philosophical ideas and discourse. It was always, you know, a, a playful uh walking between the lines of philosophy psychology spirituality a little bit of you know pop culture critique and sociology all of these kind of things meshed together which is just you know what it is you know and and what's interesting to me to to find where these different things come together mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and and so that we can talk about philosophical ideas and then we ask so what is the what is the relationship between leary and 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 peterson for example which is like this is it's, it's actually a non-topic but it's interesting to play with these ideas you know that what we did and so mm -hmm. i like this you know yeah and so so i have one question for you for you tom what do you think of elon musk well well, well, maybe we may, maybe we come to this later because you know I think I feel you know that we are more closely to the topic of trigonometry here than to Elon uh -huh. Musk. Uh -huh. Okay, if, go ahead. Because I was thinking, you know, these guys, you know, completely blew up. You know, I mean, they started the podcast two thousand eighteen, mm -hmm. and 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 became like hugely successful right hugely successful yeah. and and so and and you know i always had like this kind of impression that I'm, I'm coming to the point that you know they're kind of two nerds but if you actually listen to the, you know this uh, constantine kreisen kind of guy who, who does like this also like speeches very articulate very sophisticated people 
that mm -hmm. are behind this this podcast. But what's interesting is that, you know, there's this thing that the higher you get in the hierarchy of, you know, of, of status and fame and success, the more conformist is the view that you kind of espouse, you know, or that you that you have. And the kind of, you know, uh, there's the playfulness getting lost. Mm -hmm. You know, the higher you, you get into, you know, into these kinds of strata to the fact that, you know, these trigonometry guys completely cater to to a right leaning, right of center leaning audience, like completely, as you noticed before, like completely on the line with Peterson and and, you know, Peugeot and and Sam Harris and, you know. Oh, I can bring I can bring Elon Musk back in here too because <laughs> go you like to what talk he about said it. no no what he said about Twitter was kind yeah. of interesting he said Twitter was completely run by you know the quote unquote deep state right the people who you know who the the, uh, the Democrats let's yeah. say um, wealthy Democrats and you know and also the far left in San Francisco. Um, the people he so he's this is what he said i don't know if it's true or not but he said that you know the far left was running twitter uh -huh. and twitter has such a profound effect on the world right you know and how people see things that the society moves with twitter it's it's very interesting and um and his point was that they were so they were sort of dictating kind of like they were this mind virus mm-hmm deep state mind virus right mm -hmm. and so he bought twitter because he said that uh he thought that 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 this was an ins a, a, a extinctionist uh perspective like it was leading towards the apocalypse like the people in, in on the streets in san francisco like san francisco has used to be a beautiful city and now it's kind of a dump and uh he said that if you go to the streets of san francisco you look at you know there's so many homeless people it's so it's so post-apocalyptic and you know and there's such a huge gap between the rich guys and the poor guys it's just it's an apocalyptic landscape and he believes sort of like the twitter ethos created this apocalyptic landscape and he bought twitter because he wanted to sort of um you know change that discourse and he said the discourse has moved to the right but he said that that's because the discourse was on the far left so anything right of the far left is now on the right so there isn't really a right and a left there's just everything that's right of the far left sort of thing that was kind of his his discourse so i guess these guys these trigonometry guys kind of fit into that sort of in the middle but actually they're considered the right because the left has got so extreme uh, and that the new twitter has kind of moved to the right but it hasn't really moved to the right it's more like it's moved to the center but it appears to be a move moved to the right because the left is is so that shit crazy that makes sense yeah well i mean sure i mean what i found interesting is by by way of youtube's algorithm you know i i was uh, uh I, there was a video recommended to me from christopher hitchens from i think 1994 and he was there was like with naomi wolf and two other women he was at charlie rose you know the the, the show mm -hmm. um and with you know with the topic of of feminism and interestingly there were exactly the same talking points that we have still today it's like there's nothing new and uh, you know it's like it's, it's the same culture what's what's the same narrative as yeah the hard left went crazy and that's why uh, uh the young men don't like to you know have have issues connecting with you know the world and are kind of insulated and everything there's the same discourse that we have now and it's like you know which kind of defines our culture was already happening in 94 and that what i found very interesting so it's like an ongoing mm. thing that is not new but kind of highlighted and exaggerated by twitter or x or whatever you want to call it and so it's like intensified and, and so, yeah so maybe maybe yeah. the seeds of it were very were there but well maybe it is an illusion that all this stuff is new that's an interesting idea like oh this is happening oh my god right uh, you know you know all of these things are in the culture where are supposed to people are becoming horribly corrupt and and uh you know and uh um and maybe that's sort of an illusion maybe all that was going on and it was always going on and people were always uptight about it and worried about it and 
Yeah, mm. I mean, maybe they're like like two egregores or two ghouls that kind of uh, uh, hold hold our society in their grips and for for decades now. And so that's what I mean. It's like when you look at sorry to come back, but you know the trigonometry guys, they're kind of ushered in into one egregore. You yeah. know, there's no, there's no there's no playful uh, you know interaction with you know these you know this big topics anymore it's like um it's 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 weird because you know it's mainstream now but the for me still the interesting things still happen in, you know at the at the margin at the outskirts at the avant-garde kind of you know and yeah and well did you see the new video of jordan peterson this like music video he created no i didn't it was like he created this sort of it's about crying it was it was pretty good uh it was a pretty good uh let's say it was a good political video um and it was him it was him pretending to be kind of a loser and sitting in front of the tv and eating pizza and in a messy room and and uh he was like uh complaining about judith butler and you know and then and then all the usual suspects come in you know um all of his friends basically uh come in and they're part of the video and uh, kind of a critique of post the usual critique of postmodernism, but it's just the same critique again and again and again and again. So it feels yeah. it does feel like an egregore. It feels like wh where where is that? You know what's creative that's going on here? I've heard this already a million times. Like what's the what's the next critique? I mean, it's fine. It's it's you know a lot of it is you know, the critique of Judith Butler is is pretty obvious by now. It's like it's. it's feels to me pretty obvious but also it bothers me that i that i feel like i've that it bothers me that these egregores that i'm also possessed by these egregores that i'm also swayed and moved by these egregores and of course we are right like i remember that when the tr during the trump election you know most of my views were pretty sort of banal lefty type of views and then the trump election came along and then jordan peterson came along all these people came along and i was sort of swept a bit to the right and i was like now I'm, i question that i was like okay am i like where like did i even come up with that or is this just sort of mind viruses being planted into my into my head and you know yeah i mean like, like but then now i have sort of sometimes i have kind of conservative right-wing knee-jerk reactions to things that i never used to have i used to be used to i you know used to be the opposite it used to be like that used to be what repulsed me the most and I think it's just from from the media that's being channeled into my brain, you know. I mean, we're all at times, you know, ideologically possessed because we need to learn something, you know. And and but I mean, no man is an island, and and so we are we're kind of connected to everything. And you know, the the initial message of of Peterson and and so that you know that was interesting. But what you what you said is that you know. Or, or at least you know what what the critique is that there's just like this black and white thinking you know postmodernity is good or it's bad and i think you know it's like no you, it's it's more than that there there are essential values in postmodernity and postmodernism that are worth protecting it's funny you said essential values that are worth pro protecting which is sort of the opposite of what postmodernism is supposed to be it's supposed to be de-essentializing everything but you said there's essential postmodern values that need to be protected yeah, well, no i'm just it's just a kind that, uh, of a strange way yeah, like it's interesting kind of um kind of paradox there yeah but i mean you you could see certain movements and arts and and the civil rights movement and de deconstructing systems theory these are all kind of yeah. things you have to contend with and they're kind of you know a, a global kind of approach to to thinking and a global understanding of what's happening with with culture and with spirituality and all of these things are worth considering it's not just you know the boogeyman and so I, I in, in this kind of yes. dialogue, uh, I, I have, you know, the feeling, you know, the one side is, is straw manning postmodernism and the other, you know, uh, the, the lefties are kind of uh, uh, straw manning, you know, right wing uh, uh, Petersonian kind of IDW ideas. And, I you know, it's like maybe all of these things are true at the same time and you should be able to, you know, you know what did Marcos Aurelius say? You know, check everything and 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 keep the best. 
you know and so it's like yeah. they're, they're things and then you start to hold them hold them together hmm. but on the other hand we, you know we do have to do the critique of judith butler when this kind of crazy thinking comes along right yeah sure i mean like just stupid crazy thinking which has the veneer of pseudo pseudo sophistication which you know the right-wing people are pretty good at attacking and i think trigonometry is pretty good at attacking that and gadsad is pretty good at attacking that and these guys are pretty good at going after the the silliness of of of, of, of the left but as you yeah as you say there's um it, it tends to be just it just tends to be re repetition of the same tropes over and over and over again there's like not less not enough not much thinking going on anymore i mean that's what you know if you see actual debates between people who know it better if you look at you know the the debate that Peterson had with Zizek. You see that Peterson has no fucking clue. You know, so it's like uh, if if you're arguing against a straw man, you know, or somebody who doesn't have an idea, then it's easy to win the argument. But again, it's like when when you put somebody like Joe Rogan, who is culturally more right wing, although he is like intellectually more, or you know, he's, he's like. He has like left left wing values, but culturally he's kind of kind of situated right to uh, right of center. When you pair him up with somebody like Thaddeus Russell, who grew up in Berkeley and is well versed in in, in, in postmodern theory, then Joe Rogan has no has no light in the debate. Yeah, yeah, you oh, could sure. see that, you know, and so sure, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. There is there is a there's definitely a there's something about the conservative values that shuts down everything that it doesn't it it it, it 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 becomes what it critiques right it becomes ideological possession one of the best things about peterson is his critique of ideological possession and yet he's also ideologically possessed now yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is his great his, his that that's what he was really good at is is describing the mechanisms of ideological possession especially on the left but he seems to have a blind spot to his own ideological possession yeah uh but i guess we're, maybe we're all like that to, to a certain degree because we all have a certain perspective and every perspective is limited because it's a perspective you know huh. yeah we can't we can't like there's this also the problem of let's hold all the perspectives and then we can say nothing anymore about anything yeah. i mean it's always um, again it has something to maybe with with strata and hierarchy because i mean i remember talking about you know, talking about Joe Rogan. And so he had a podcast where he talked about, you know, Obama, Barack Obama as a young idealistic kind of uh, lawyer coming into office, you know, with yeah. the idea to change everything. And then suddenly he finds himself in this situation where he's like in the upper e e echelon of, of, of power. And then, then, you know, in the first weeks of being in office, all the generals come in and to this office and lay down the law of how things actually work. And so suddenly his hands are bound right because he suddenly is confronted with certain military and you know complex issues that he never thought about in that way before so and and so suddenly he is part of the military industrial complex in a way that you know the you know the idealistic lawyer would have never thought so and and i yeah, think exactly. it's like yeah yeah and i think that happens it's like if how could he not be you know how could you not be if you have to be if you're the head of the industrial uh, uh, um, military complex how could you not be a part of it right and that's you know, what i mean it's like a trigonometry guys so suddenly they're at the you know highest uh uh strata of of pod youtube podcasts like invited to make big speeches to industrials and everything and of course they're playing their cards you know they're talking their language and so there's a disconnect between you know catering to a kind of egregore you know, now and when they're starting out, just, you know, trying to figure a way to trigger people, you know, or to address to address trigger issues, which was more like a playful kind of thing to do. And so it's like it's very interesting to me how how that gradually shifts, you know, so and how much can you contend with the egregores or the collective unconscious that is out there, the collective narration of where we are with, within this culture war. And that's that's what I find interesting, 
you know mm -hmm. so because it's like where where do you want to be do you do are you actually able to you know to create a social field where you can create a new kind of narration or a new kind of egregore how much how powerful is it i mean sorry to ramble on a little bit but i'm translating this work from ken wilbanow the religion of tomorrow he is a great writer still it's it's a great theme but integral never was able to you know to really challenge these existing egregores in the kind of way that it's reaching out of its own bubble let's say you know well, an egregore is a demon as well right you know right um so so is that to the credit of of integral or is that is that a critique of integral it could be both could be the credit to integral that it never got too big that it was that it that it uh became a a product uh, you know like like an egregore yeah because i think an egregore is, is something to do with like a product it's it becomes a product something like something you can sell you know if you have if you have all the talking points of the egregore then you can go out and you know if we were doing that me and you if we were like doing the same thing as trigonometry and we're just like attacking let's we're, we're right in the culture war we've got all the talking points down and we're just selling that over and over again then yeah you know then we could we could we could do well but we'd probably lose our souls right <laughs> you know you know yeah. <laughs> but uh but uh so so maybe they didn't fully lose their souls maybe they, they have an effect that is uh implicit in the culture that's not because is is success when you take over the culture it's a good question i mean maybe it's failure when you actually become maybe success is failure and failure is success or, or something like that right mm. Like the proper kind of failure is the real success. Like the fact that Integral failed might be a success because it had an influence, but it didn't succeed in becoming a, um, well, it, it did a bit, but it didn't succeed in becoming a massive egregore, which would I mean, be maybe, a demon, okay. right? If you, you if you like, like the technical meaning of, of egregore, I mean, there is a neutral meaning as well, but there's a negative meaning to egregore. It's not a positive thing, to, an egregore, right? yeah i don't know the thing the thing is that i mean maybe we're bound to our historical perspective and our our historical view of our individual lives basically because i mean if you there was always you can't think uh metamodernism without integral and you can't think integral and we talked about this at nauseam mm -hmm. it's like you can't think integral without timothy leary and you can't think you know, Timothy Leary without, you know, all the Gnostic kind of hermetic orders that were there in the 19th century in England. And so you can go back to 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 the uh, cults of Mithras, yeah. uh, uh, which were always, you know, kind of outside, kind of, the, you know, the alchemic kind of back rooms uh, and, and temples that, you know, were always outside of, of you know, the natural, you know, the discourse of Christianity and, and all of this. And so... I feel like I feel like there's maybe uh always maybe there was always you know this outside kind of perspective on the culture war you know provided by people like Leary Wilbur going back going back to all the occult alchemical kind of people that have these outside kind of views maybe maybe we don't just see it that we're part of a, just a different tradition that's what i want to say of a different stream of of cultural observation and cultural production you, you get what i'm saying it's just yeah, like maybe so. it's mm -hmm. not maybe it's not just the, the two demons the two egregores or the two things maybe there are three you know mm-hmm mm -hmm. Robert so Anton the three Wilson. would be the three would be the, the 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 two that are you know in conflict with each other, right? In the culture war or whatever, right? right? The left and the right, the the you know the the whatever the the two uh, the social versus the individual or something like that, and then yeah. the third would be like okay, questioning all of these perspectives, right? Uh, and saying oh well, some of that is good and maybe some of that is good, and but we don't want to be part of this, you know intense right. very very intense uh, polarized kind of dichotomous you know thing like 
we we want to sort of have a more outsider view. I think you have to be an outsider a little bit. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's what the Mithras cult was. It was like an outside cult outside of Christianity with temples all around the Mediterranean area, which were sacred and secret, right? And so, so, at, at least as far as I know, within you know the first century ad there was a there was actually a you know l- like a kind of fight for dominance uh amongst you know this mithraite and, and christian kind of cults and so the christian kind of because it could latch on to to the roman empire kind of had the infrastructure to 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 settle down and be the dominant kind of form of observation of world and methods and discourse and the mithras cult was you know going underground like quite literally and but you know the the tradition is still there and and i mean if you want and and maybe that's the the takeaway that if you want to be really successful and have hundred thousands of youtube subscribers you have to be one of the two dominant kind of um you be part of these kind of dominant discourses you know either left or right or whatever you want to you want to frame it um yeah Mm mm-hmm Yes and no. There's 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 always the X factor thing that happens, right? Because I think that when the new guy comes in, when the new movement comes in, right? Then then that 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 is something different. That is kind of like something that's that 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 isn't that can't be that's it's hard to understand, right? I, I mean, I, when there's any new invention, right? It's like when jazz music comes in, it's like, what the fuck is that? It doesn't belong to this. It doesn't belong to the popular forms. And then it becomes popular and it becomes popularized and it becomes, it gets generic. It gets, but, but, but when it, when it, when it comes in, when it's fresh and when it's new, then it's like, and when it's something, when it's a real inspire inspired movement, then it is, isn't, isn't part of the culture war. It comes from outside right mm. i think that's like i think i think it comes from the province you know you know like uh like rambo came from the province he didn't come from paris or in rambo or rimbo rambo, yeah rambo I'm, <laughs> I, I i live in france so i can I rambo can rambo came out also not from rainbow the- not the rainbows oh, rambo john rambo man yeah. did you ever go to a rainbow festival oh, no i didn't <laughs> i did <laughs> Back in Canada in the nineties, okay. a bunch of hippies in the woods beating on drums, yeah. and and taking all kinds of drugs and losing their children. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I saying? You no, know, but I think that's I think that's very interesting. Like you say, oh yeah, you, you to get a million views, you have to be either one or the other. But you can't do that either. Like if you'd start to join on that, if you start to get on that bandwagon, you know, there's already hundred guys doing it, so you can't do that either. Right, you no, can't, you we, couldn't, we couldn't just decide to be trigonometry, right? We we couldn't decide to be that, because because that's already being done, and and they're doing it, and 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 they're not even aware that they're so caught up in the egregore. They're not in no, a liminal place. They're not self conscious. They're not. They don't know what they're, they're. They're kind of like swept up by the thing. I think it feels like to me, despite their being intelligent people that's but that's the whole point though that's the whole point that i'm trying to make that the more successful and the more you know so i I mean it's like this this thing from the movie unbreakable with with bruce willis and samuel jackson you know when at the end when mr glass says now that we know who you are you know because he's the superhero bruce willis now Mm -hmm. i know who i am mr glass the demon right the, mm-hmm. the antagonist and so it's good to know who and i don't want to demonize them I, it's like it's it's great what they're doing you know they have massive success as a super you know competent but it's also interesting to see that i mean they started around 2018 that's just one or two years three years before parallax started yeah right yeah. and but you know they you could trace their path very yeah. easily you know so it's like from the beginning they were catering to you know they were catering to a specific kind of audience to a specific kind of topic they were never you know they would never approach Sloterdijk or or Zizek or you know these kind of people they were always like kind of on the track to 
to Sam Harris and Weinstein and and Peterson and all of these kind of yeah kind yeah of and it was it was being sold I remember when they first came out it was being sold these guys are the honest guys right compared to everybody else who's you know they're willing to have the difficult conversations when everybody else is too too afraid to have them and they're not part of the mainstream media uh -huh. right but then they become the mainstream right in a sense so so there's a sort of like pseudo rebellion here it's like they're supposed to be the brave champions of this particular point of view but actually they're being swept up in the egregore yeah they have no you know to 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 be more personal my personal issue is that you know uh, i am no afraid i i have no i'm not not afraid to 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 bite that hand that feeds me at the moment where i i think i'm becoming too attached you know so i'm i i you know i love wilbur i love his work but you know i'm 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 very foul mouthed in the sense that i have no issues critiquing him or critiquing whatever it's like because yeah. i don't i i i i think i have this millennial i am i think a gen z kind of mm. grunge grunge mentality that i don't want to be boxed in and so i'm very individualist in this kind of that sense yeah. and then I, and, and and i know that the result of it is that i don't identify with any group basically you know yeah. because it's like i i have Me my either. friends and colleagues and and so that's an issue because like i you know i i i i love metamodernism but i would never you know put the label on my forehead you get what i'm saying yeah totally no, and... totally. I, I feel exactly the same way. That's probably why we get along. You know, I, I can't I can't buy any of the I can't buy any of it, you know, fully. You know, I can't buy into it fully. I can't I can't put the label on my forehead either. I don't want to. I don't know. In fact, I'd rather be kind of critical of it, appreciative of certain things and then a critical of others. And that's fine. You know, maybe there's something alive there and, and maybe most of it is, is shite. <laughs> yeah, the, or the integral community. I mean, there's. I mean, again, I I love the book that I'm translating, but you know, it's just, you know, I I would never call myself an like an integralist, because it's like why why would I? I it's it's like there's so many things that are interesting to me. You know, like the metamodernism and Sloterdijk and everything and complexity theory and Luhmann and and Nietzsche and everything. Why why would I call myself an integralist? Why would why, I? Why join a cult? Yeah, and so yeah. I think, in a way, uh, if if you at least in these two egregores, you have to identify as a as a, a, a you know as a as a hard left winger pro Palestinian kind of people, or you have to you know like do you go like the 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 right wing you know traditional Petersonian kind of thing, and it's like no, it's, I don't want that. I don't you know it's like I can see I can I, I try to see. Uh, all you know, yeah. You can, it's, it's, it's we weird. don't fit, Tom. We don't fit anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But that is that's that is the center, though. Really, actually, the not fitting. I think that's a, it's an ironic thing. Um, but it's also our generation. It's like this gen 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 X. We are Gen X, no? I'm. That's an interesting to thing to to think about. Yeah, I, I was thinking about. Like what are the strengths of our generation and what are the strengths of the younger generation compared to us? Um, and, and in many ways, they're, they're way more conformist, right? I think that the, the, the younger generations are, are very conformist. No, I, they're, they're afraid to say shit and they're, and yet they're very articulate at, at, at the same time. So they're, they're much more subject to, they're much more media savvy and they have, they're much more smooth in their expression. Like, yeah. who was it that called the smooth? Uh, it was uh, the, this philosopher Han. He was talking about the smooth, you know, and that being sort of a a dangerous thing. Can you yeah, elaborate? But then, then what? 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 Like what? What? Then on the other hand, there's there's a lot of maybe maybe like what what can we learn from these younger dudes that that we're sort of have a blind spot to. That's another yeah. kind of question. Like, what do what do they have their finger on that we don't really understand? Because that's obviously got to be part of the case as well. Yeah, it's like the generation. It's not like the older generation is so wise, and they're just the younger generation are just 
you know, a bunch of idiots. It's more like the, 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 they should, they're, they're sort of, you could switch that around and, and, and put yourself, say, okay, we're, we're kind of Generation Z. We're kind of, in many ways, we're, they're, they're, we're kind of like about to be put out to pasture, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, so what is it that we can learn from these younger guys? And mm -hmm. Sure. That's why, I need, that's why I need contact with young women, you know, to, to show you what life is all about, you know? I see. That's there you that's, go. There you why. go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a young, young woman. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Young women, no, but the eh? point the point I'm trying to make is What do you, you know, learn from young women? The point I'm trying to make is that, you know, when I was 18, I just I just came out, you know, culturally speaking, I, you know, a phase where where there was like a joyful individualism, you know, yeah, so for sure. So, the, the, so you know, the, the Doors and Velvet Underground, all these bands had just a resurgence, you know, and, and so and and you came out of this time and then you went straight into the kind of cynical, ironic grunge kind of thing. And yep. and you know and that that shaped me so much you know so it's like um i i wouldn't even know how to identify with with a certain movement i you know it's it's yeah. i'm way too well it's just i remember the pre-internet like the pre-internet world uh was so radically intimate with people were so intimate with each other like in the artistic world i, I was in montreal and there was all these things going on all this music and it was a really kind of it was a radical scene there's so much like there were raves and there was like country music festivals and there were like you know there's all kinds of experiment and in, in art and stuff just before the internet took over right yeah but 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 so so there's something about that period was was like it's like if you were in touch with that that you know something that the people that didn't have that don't yeah. know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um but on the other hand, maybe you're not as fluid with whatever it is the technological no obviously thing obviously. is is trying to 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 um to teach you. No, obviously. So I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying that you know the grunge era or my generation is in any shape or form better than, but it's different. But again, it's like to know, you know, again, now that we know who you are, I know who I am. And so, you know, that discourse is important, you know, mm -hmm. and so to understand, you know, uh, who, you know, who the trigonometry guys are or, you know, podcasts like this, basically, you know, are they like, younger than we are? Are they, are they yeah, like, sure. you know, they're both 40, I think mm. they're probably, they're probably, they're probably not generation X. Yeah. And, you know, and then and then Weinstein, the, the Weinsteins are obviously Generation X because they're so batshit crazy. Yeah. I think we need the craziness of Generation X. I think Generation X guys, are, I think there's something like some sort of positive craziness about them. Mm. I'm willing to n not be slick and smooth and packaged and yeah yeah exactly because uh yeah, yeah because it's, it's, there's too much packaging these days of everything and that's that is the egregore it's, it's just a big package right it's just a big mm. it's packaged humanity packaged ideology packaged behavior packaged opinions yeah and i think there has to be like a you know there has to be a place to 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 come back to this to to just play with ideas you know even i mean i'm fully aware that half of the shit i'm saying is just bullshit but that's you know mm. start you start saturday with your course now or what uh, yeah we're starting um we're starting our course on saturday mm. with og rose yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah i think it goes along with what we've been talking about in terms of creativity i think the course that's really the theme of the course yeah is breaking out of these egregores unconscious sort of sleeping egregores of inadvertent ejaculation yeah like uh he talks about intrinsic motivation and like how the fact that like i guess 
I know. I I think a lot about what Gurdjieff said that the human people are asleep, right? Yeah. And people, when people are asleep, they they don't have any free will. <laughs> they don't have any intrinsic motivation. Yeah. You know, and they just go along, and they just create sort of. They just repeat. They just live in repetition. Right. And um, and and breaking out of that is what's interesting. Breaking yeah. out of that repetition, breaking out of that 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 blind that that sleep, that blind sleepwalking state. Blind determinism, yes. Mm-hmm. Deterministic state is is kind of what's interesting. It's kind of like, hmm, something's going on here. And so, I think that that's what the course will be about. Yeah, nice. It's called uh, "Look at the Birds in the Air: How to Unplan Your Lives." And we're talking about how. Um how everything is speeding up in the world and so it's hard to plan for anything yeah because everything is speeding up and intensifying and and so so it's not a question od rose would say it's not a question of or daniel i would say and daniel and and michelle because od rose or daniel michelle it's not a question of of planning it's a question of preparation being prepared for whatever always being prepared I mean, did you listen? Did but you not listen planning. to the talk I, like um, I, 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 I had with Nora Bateson and Suzanne Kugreuter? Because I mean, this is like the overarching theme that we're like tackling at mm. the moment. Because it's like you can, you can, you can think about you know the meta crisis or the meaning crisis or whatever, or you know you look at the the actual bird in the sky, or you 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 do take care of what's you know immediately before you. And you deal with the complexity there, and these are completely different approaches to to life, and that's why I found you know this talk. So I mean, I was trying to to take myself out of the conversation because I found it. I had like the whole list of questions that I wanted to ask, but by by an invisible hand, you know these two let's call them matriarchs, you know, were, were like kind of slowly diving into all these to- super interesting to me. You know Nora mm-hmm. Bates, this, this systems theorist, and you know, and and filmmaker, and and Suzanne Kudreuter, this um, you know academic ego development, you know scientist, super interesting to me. Yeah, and, yeah. And so, well, they're women, I, and the women are crying out, "In be more embodied, guys. You know, come on, get it together. Be more like." Yeah. There's something about that. The, the that that's the message I, I feel from the women. Yeah, we can say that. I mean, people don't like making gender comments, but I think the women are just like they're fed up with just relentless, you know, platitudes of abstractions and guys making up new systems of everything and, you know, creating these entirely sterile worlds of mere intellectual jargon psychobabble. Yeah. So like okay have a look at your kids you know have a look at you know look at what's going on in your in your in your you know in which is interesting because garden. like our, our most successful videos are with the archetypal matriarchs you know that's the interesting thing you know it's like mm-hmm. um you know these these were you know the this is like uh, these are voices that are not so uh, prominent heard in the in the normative discourse of left and right, you know the these 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 female archetypes, this female matrix that walk, you know, as Alexander says, you know, always behind the tribe. So the patriarchs are always pushing forward. The matriarchs always integrating and bringing the fold back from from behind. Let's say, and it's yeah. like you know, so and and these voices are, are rarely rarely heard or promoted because it's it's a different voice it's a it's a it's a more deeper voice it's a it's a deeper know, voice and it's more hesitant right it's not yeah. it's not it's not so uh it's not so sure of itself it's more in the right brain it's more like emotive exploration as not just i you know platonic ideals or yeah. something like that yeah um and i think it's important it, you could get lost there as well right you need you need both the, the exactly yeah 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 you yeah. need both the elements it could that could just become a uh, that could become a, a zone of um resentment <laughs> or, or something i don't know how to say that but, but no but uh, there have to be uh, you know it has to be an equilibrium and a discourse between those two voices but just the the, the highly rational you know uh, uh, abstract 
you know, logical thinking, which is, you know, we need this, but only to have this without, you know, the deep, the deep grounding and, and, you know, the, you know, uh, deep experiential knowledge of, 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 of constructing and leading the tribe, you know, that's, then, mm. then, then it just falls apart, everything. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, that that's is interesting why... that our successes, our most successful videos have been the matriarchs. Yeah. I wonder yeah. why that is. Because we're two guys, right? You would think it would be the other way around. You think that, I mean, besides Alexander is, but uh, Alexander Bard, but he's kind of a matriarch as well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> that's, just that's what I wanted to say. He's a matriarch as well. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not completely masculine in this. This, this personality. No, he is, he is, he is, he's he like is, a, he's always he's bringing scared. everybody together yes. and he's always like you know community and he's very yeah. he's like a he's like an old woman <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> please don't please don't be angry at me alexander i'm <laughs> you know it's true but yeah no but we have more things coming up while, while, while we're talking about courses so uh our our great uh historian renegade historian uh, uh, Thaddeus Russell will do a one event uh, course like seminar on uh, the politics uh, of the Middle East that is Israel and Palestine and so uh -oh. he will bring, that, that will be yeah he will I hope uh, he will bring like a very renegade perspective to that that completely blows up the, the n n n normal discourse that it's out there so that mm -hmm. will happen at the 25th of November. So there will be announcement. And Greg Henriquez, you know, the psychologist, will do a four-week course on, on Utah, you mm -hmm. know, February. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, have Luke Beckney is going to do a course on, on Gurdjieff, on, on, uh, on, uh, on George Gurdjieff called The Hard Way. Yeah. It's kind of anti-marketing. It's like... Who wants to, to take that the hard way, right? Mm. Don't take this course. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be horrible. Mm. It's going it's to, it's you know, teach you about your own suffering and things like that. So mm. stay away from this course by Luke Beckney on February 2nd. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, suffering is somewhat important, I think. No? Yeah, suffering is, well, well, I guess it's like, well, he talks about conscious suffering versus just useless suffering. Yeah. So useless suffering is useless suffering, but, but conscious suffering is, is everything. Yeah. All right, Andrew, I think we got it now. All right. All right, <laughs> Yeah. So you're just going to cut out the part where, where, 